Hey everyone, welcome to episode 9 of Just Another Bookers podcast. My name is Silke, I'm your host, and today I will be talking about the first part in a fantasy trilogy. It is The Friday Night by Bridget Kammerer. Um, you might have heard of this, uh, the third book has come out. Um, yeah, the third book came out a couple of months ago, so. It's possible that you've heard the name Bridget Kammerer or you know her from um, her more popular series Curse of Dark and Lonely. I haven't read that myself but I know that that's like her most popular book series that she's written. But again, I haven't read it yet. Um, but I have been reading Defy the Night by Bridget Kammerer and today I will be talking about the book and I'll tell you all about it. So let's dive into it. So um, now the premise of the book, I'm just going to tell you what the book is about really shortly and without spoilers. So Defy the Night takes place in the country of Kandala which is uh, plagued by a mysterious disease called the fever. Um, for which the only cure is made from the rare moonflower petals and it is really expensive. So only the elites and really wealthy people can afford enough medicine to stay healthy. Because of that, uh, to prevent an uproar, King Harrison and his brother Prince Coric are forced to rule their country ruthlessly and uh, mercilessly which makes many citizens many people uh, hate them then in the wilds uh, the part of kandala where the least fortunate people live and actually the largest part of Kandala's population, Epitechri Tessa Kate and her ally and also an outlaw, an outlaw, I cannot pronounce that word, and Western Lark, they illegally supply medicine for these people in the wilds so less people die. This is obviously illegal and well when they would get arrested it wouldn't be good for them. However Tessa is forced to make some really difficult decisions after a string of some rather unfortunate events shakes up her life forever. That was the premise, now on to the characters. I have chosen the three most important characters, in my opinion, to the story. Um, two of them are narrators, so we, we are dealing with a dual, dual point of view in this story. Um, the first narrator and our main character is Tessa Kate. She is an apothecary in the wild and a rebel and a, an outlaw trying to save her people by doing what she thinks is right. Then our second narrator and um, also really one of the most important characters is Prince Coric. He is the king, the king's brother and also uh, the king's justice which is the second most powerful person in the entire country and he is really ruthless um, towards smugglers, towards prisoners. Um, but as you may expect there is more to the story and more to this character than just that. Then our third character um, 
is Weston Lark. He is Tessa's companion. He's a steel worker and a possible love interest. But I'm not going to tell you about that just yet. Now, um, there are other more there there are other characters that are really prominent but i've only written down these three in this story and uh, i've already begun to take notes for the next story and there i've got more characters um in my character section of my notes so that's going to that's going to be more um there's going to be more characters and really if you've read the book already you know that there are more characters that are important to the story than this but I've only written down these three now so I'm not going to just try figure out a way to describe these other characters at this moment in the recording itself. Um, so if you don't want to hear any spoilers skip 42 minutes ahead right now. Um, Enjoy the episode. Well, uh, now to the in-depth discussion. I'm going to be discussing the entire plot of the story with spoilers. So please be warned if you haven't read this book yet. Um, from now on, I am really going to spoil the entire thing for you. Um, Tessa is escaping the royal sector after stealing some of the moonflower petals for the elixir or the cure she's going to make along with Wes um, for their supply runs. As she's scaling the walls to um, the wilds, no, so that there's a wall between um, each sector and the wilds is the part of each sector around the royal sector so there's a wall there as she's st- as she is skidding that wall an alarm goes off signaling that the guards have spotted someone she hurries back to the workshop where she and wes always meet up when she arrives wes isn't there yet so um she she already starts making the elixir the alarm sounds again and um, since Wes hasn't returned yet Tessa is getting really worried and she fears that they've caught that they've caught him there's no need for that though since Wes returns a mere minutes later with breakfast then we switch to Prince Corrick's point of view he is worrying about his brother since um, Harrison might show signs of the fever, which is that illness going around in the country. But when he later doesn't notice anything wrong with his brother's breathing, he decides that he was just imagining it earlier and they attend a council meeting together. It's like, yeah, when you're in parliament and they just, the people in the government that are just doing a meeting, you know. (laughs) Why am I even explaining this? I mean, your people, you, you probably know this. I'm sorry, I, I don't know why I'm not explaining this. Um, and um, there is a discussion about a refused proposal for um, a bridge that actually costed way too much. Corrick's mind wanders off to 
a memory of their he, his and Harrison's parents' death, uh, which their parents were assassinated about three or four years before this book takes place. Um, yeah, that's the reason why he and Harrison felt like they couldn't show weaknesses since they didn't want that to happen to them. Behind their back, one of the consuls accuses Harriston of being heartless and both brothers hear and ignore that comments. Then Tessa and Weston are making their rounds. When they arrive at the house of a Mrs. Kendall, they find her son on the brink of death. Despite their best efforts of getting them the elixir, the 13 year old Jellies doesn't doesn't survive the entire thing and um, he unfortunately passes away. Mrs. Kendall then, um, yeah, she's really heartbroken. She just lost her son, so I mean, I get that. Um, and she um, starts raging about how unfair it is that they don't get enough medicine and stuff to be healthy. She is killed by the night patrol after the SMS have to leave her behind on her. Well, she, she basically chases Tessa and Wes out of her house. Yeah, and they witness the entire thing from afar. Afterwards, Tessa says that she hates the king um, and the prince and what Kandala as a whole has become. All Wes says in response is me too. Then we switch back to Korik's point of view and he recalls childhood visits to the wilds um, with Harrison who was often very ill and sheltered but he and Korik sometimes snuck off to the wilds. Consul Salister, a childhood friend of Harrison's, comes to requests an audience with Korik around midnight, requiring more guards for the supply runs of Moonflower from his sector, as well as a um, a cost for the, the Moonflower raised by 20%. Korik isn't exactly pleased, but he agrees to um, the conditions for the sake of the country. The palace master Quince comes in and um, the conversation stops abruptly. Quince then tells Korik that some rebels have been caught and imprisoned in the hold, which is like the major prison in Kandala called the hold. Korik says that he'll visit those smugglers the next day and then decides a fitting punishment. At work, Tessa's colleague, Kari, questions her about her sweetheart, but Tessa doesn't admit anything since she, she and Tessa was thinking about West, and Kari thought that Tessa had, like, a boyfriend. Happens they're 16 or something. Yeah, I believe they're 16, so I mean, it's my age. It happens. And yeah. Tessa and Wes 
are definitely not dating. That's really, they aren't at that point. And when she admits that he is from Steel City, their boss comes in and tells them about the smugglers that were captured um, in the same area and um, that, that they will be executed the next day. Back at um, the workplace, Tessa falls asleep dreaming about her parents', her parents execution by night patrol and Wes's possible death. He arrives and wakes her up, seeing that she is crying over him. This is the first time Weston sees Tessa without her mask, but when she tries to remove his, he stops her. After which she says, not never. Up until this point they hadn't seen each other's real faces, so they were always wearing a mask and now Wes has seen Tessa's face, but he doesn't want her to see his just yet. And before Tessa can protest, he announces that they have to make their rounds so that they have to hurry and um, get on with that. Then back to Prince Corrick's point of view. He, accompanied by Alexander Salister, visits the Prison, um, the prisoners in the hold. Consul Salister questions uh, one of the bold prisoners, a man named Lachlan, who attacks him as he came too close um, to the bars, saying that Alexander is killing his own people. Cork forces the consul from Lachlan's from Lachlan's grip by breaking the prisoners the prisoners' wrists. Back at the palace, Cork and Harrison are in a tense conversation when Quint drops by to give them a whole bunch of pardon requests for the prisoners. A hundred and eighty six in total. Um, including one uh, written by council member Arella Cherry of the southern section Sunkeep. Um, then we go back to Tessa and on her way to the executions accompanied by Kari and their boss Mrs. Solomon, Tessa thinks of her parents' death once again um, killed at the hands of the night patrol. She and Kari stood relatively far from the stage um, and when Harrison and Corrick appear on stage. Tessa whispered that she hates them. Luckily, no one, no one around her hears. And Cory, um, yeah, except for Cory. One, one by one, the prisoners start to call uh, for a rebellion, and some are killed before the crowd um, to surge forward, and the execution gets stopped since uh, the the guards cannot control the crowd anymore. They called to um, the so-called benefactors um, who are helping the prisoners or who were helping the smugglers and the prisoners. Then they switch back to Corrick um, and he recalls an assassination attempt on his parents six months before the 
succeeded attempts um, after the execution Cork is really distracted and he's a bit restless and yeah while Harrison on the other hand he stays really quiet and is lost in thought three of the eight prisoners escaped uh, during the um, the chaos that erupted after the crowds started to attack the stage including Lachlan then uh, a council meeting follows and everyone is um, is agitated Alexander is furious someone offers um, the possibility that one of the people around the table is part of these benefactors that the rebels were talking about uh, the council requests that the situation is dealt with in a way that'll discourage future rebellion and Corrick promises to make good on that request which is um, a bit unsettling when Tessa arrives at the workshop that night Wes is waiting for her he asks her to stop doing what they're doing for a while um, since um, he believes it has become too dangerous after the guards have doubled with the execution thing Tessa says that they should be playing a big part in the rebellion but Wes isn't so sure um, but he ultimately agrees to get the pedals from the royal sector himself right before he leaves Wes kisses Tessa when he hasn't returned by sunrise Tessa gets really worried on her way through the wilds she hears rumors that an outlaw has been hung from the gates of the royal sector she runs to those gates and upon arriving there she sees that it's Weston's body hanging from uh, the gate that he died what looked like a slow and painful death uh, and it destroys Tessa to see him like this and um, yeah she has to get away as fast as she can so she's really it's it really hits her and she she she's really not not in good state at that point then we switch back to Prince Corrick he and Quince are playing chess when Council Arala Cherry requests an audience with the Prince she criticizes the way Corrick is handling the rebel situation claiming that he and Harrison aren't actually in power actually in charge when Corrick gets defensive Arala says she's simply wanted to make clear that he's a king justice and not an executioner after she has left Quint announces he's at checkmate because Corrick was too distracted to focus on the game they were playing Tessa is also distracted at work and she's grinding root for a mixture with um, the amount is enough to kill someone when Tessa's boss reveals that um, 
the order is for the royal sector Tessa um, offers to deliver that order and she scoops the little portion of um, of grinded powder in a napkin in her uh, Tessa ultimately gets her boss to let her deliver the package by claiming that she's pregnant uh, which she is not but it's a way to get her yeah to let her do the order after delivering that order Tessa ends up at the palace gates because um, she took a wrong turn she sneaks inside with a group of workers and one inside um, Tessa hides in a linen closet to um, regain her composure since she's panicking a bit and yeah hey she's in the royal palace I mean yeah that's overwhelming hours later when the sun has already set Tessa leaves her hiding spot when she hears people closing in Tessa runs to a random door leading to a very fancy staircase Tessa thinks of poisoning the king but um, she soon realizes that she has no killer not much later she runs into Quint who calls for the guards soon after Tessa is chained and uh, with a bag around her head in the throne room awaiting punishment by Prince Coric. a council is willing to interfere on Tessa's behalf but Coric orders someone to clean Tessa put a bag over her head uh, so uh, okay so there wasn't a bag over her head before but now there is um, and bring her to his room which doesn't sound good Tessa is, is then bound and blindfolded into Coric's room when Weston suddenly comes to see her and frees her hands. However, when he removes Tessa's blindfold, she is met with the sight of Prince Cork. She doesn't want to believe that he is Weston, but he proves it to her by putting on a mask and then Tessa sees that he looks exactly like Wes. Um, Tessa isn't exactly pleased by his betrayal since the um, the revelation means that all of their history was a lie. He offers her um, a drink and after taking a sip she throws the glass at him. Um, Cork is surprised at Tessa's um, actions and warns her to be careful with what she does since he can't protect her for long. Harrison comes in to question Corrick's actions since he isn't acting uh, as he usually would. Then Harrison coughs, coughs, coughs again but uh, when Tessa acknowledges this Cork shuts her up 
since Cork really doesn't want to believe that Harrison is ill. Later, Quint comes in um, and requests it uninvited, um, relaying the concerns of the royal sector following Cork's actions concerning Tessa. And that was a hard sentence to say. Uh, the prince also shuts him up and then uh, introduces him to Tessa since Coric doesn't keep secrets from Quint and Quint knows about the entire Coric is Western situation. Uh, then back in Tessa's perspective she discovers that Quint knows about the Westing and waits as Coric and Quint try to figure out how to um, keep Tessa in the palace without making her a prisoner, they eventually come up with something to do with her medical expertise. While they are eating, Cork reveals that the man that was hanged from the gates, the one that Tessa thought was wise, um, was, was found smuggling. And that during all these events, Tessa realizes or she starts to understand that Cork acts different around each person. The most prominent difference that she notices is between like the public thing with consuls or maids or anything and private with his brother or with Quint or Tessa for that matter. Cork also reveals that he thought that Tessa had learned that kindness leaves people vulnerable as he and Harrison did when their parents were assassinated and uh, since Tessa's parents were also executed he reasoned that she might have learned the same thing. Cork then brings Tessa to her room and visits Harrison whose breathing doesn't sound good at all. He suspects there's more to the story um, of Tessa then Cork is selling him and says he would like to meet her. The next morning Tessa is prepared by servants named Jocelyn for a meeting with the king. Master Quint comes in during breakfast to discuss Tessa's schedule and then but she is too shocked to remember most of it and asks him how he could be friends with someone like Prince Cork. Um, to which Quint's response weren't you too, which makes Tessa reconsider whether Western Lark was really only a trick or whether the cruel Coric was the mask instead while Wes was the prince's actual personality. Coric then wakes up late and hurries to write Tessa a message before her meeting with his brother. Kansas Alistair insists that Cork comes along to question some new prisoners in the hold. Uh, Tessa gets Cork's message as she and Quint are on their way to meeting with, with King Harrison. It reads mind your metal which is like a sentence that Tessa and Cork or Tessa and Wes often said to each other like to gain back their composure or as a warning to like tell them tell the other to be careful or something 
so it's like something between them and it really helps to calm Tessa's nerves a bit. During the meeting itself Tessa Tessa's view on the king changes. He turns out to be more concerned for more concerned for his people than she initially thought and explains and he explains that he can't make excuses for one kind of theory and not the other. Tessa eventually tells him about Wes, but not that his brother Corrick is Wes. But just that he has a partner uh, in the things he was doing. Harrison declares that Tessa will meet with Bella's apothecaries to discuss her tears. Alexander asks about Tessa while he and Corrick are descending into the hold. Corrick refuses to answer the questions uh, and uh, the prisoners that are now in the hold had attacked Alexander's supply runs. Most of them had been beaten up quite badly, which Corrick usually doesn't do, but Alexander had given the order for that, while these prisoners had surrendered. Corrick proceeds to ban Alexander from the palace, and later Harrison visits Corrick while he is reviewing paperwork, asking his brother to validate or confirm Tessa's theories um, about the medicine. Corrick is already stressed because of having um, having to eat with Tessa while she is very obviously mad at him. He waits for her in a crowded place where people are very much gossiping. When Tessa arrives, everyone goes silent. She and Corrick share a carriage to their dying spot. It gets emotional um the so the conversation that they have during that carriage ride get a bit emotional and Corrick offers to let Tessa escape while he talks to the guards captain that's riding behind the carriage. He also gives her his dagger and a money patch. Before she can even argue he stops the carriages he stops the carriage and sets his plan into motion. Tessa, however, chooses to stay in order to help with the dosages of medicine. Um, during dinner, Alexander shows up and argues with Corrick after the council has left again. Tessa and Corrick return to their meal. Uh, they talk about the prisoners and Tessa states that she is going to help to find a better medicine. Tessa and Corrick then continue to review the files and contemplate um, the solution for the cure. Tessa suggests reaching out to Austriari, um, it, that is a neighboring country of Kandala, but Corrick says that, that it costs too much since they had to cross a dangerous river. Corrick needs to to repress the urge to kiss Tessa after uh, that that conversation um, returns to her and Wes and Cork's feelings towards um, his persona. Then he then then the explosions start in the royal sector, um, and when they 
watch out of the window they see that the sector is on fire all the consuls the king the prince and tessa are gathered in one room when the message message arrives that prisoner were broken out of the hold cork along with consul salisar and merpetta um go to execute the remaining prisoner two other consuls leave to discuss some private business uh, and king harriston has another coughing fit which tessa stops by making a simple mixture with uh, the king's tea and some flower petals not moonflower however afterwards they talk and harriston asks where tessa and Corrick knew each other from quince then barges in before she can answer and um, leads tessa to her room one of the one of the king's guards rocco follows them um and sends guard outside tessa's room however tessa soon comes out and demands that he take that he takes her to prince Corrick. Corrick is in the hold covered in blood after having to execute two prisoners when he hears someone approaching, Korik grabs a rock to defend himself, but it's Tessa and Korik. Um, he doesn't want Tessa to see him like this, but she eventually gets him to come outside with her. Uh, then Tessa takes Korik to the servants, wash in the servants' washrooms, to cleanse him of the blood. She sees that he doesn't like what he has to do but that he's forced to in order to keep the country somewhat stable. Tessa proposes to talk to people as Weston and Tessa since they might be more willing to talk about the benefactors and the rebellion that way. The next morning Alexander com- confronts Gorik with what he found out about, Be- about Tessa like where she works and um, some rumors. It gets heated and really tense. Harrison enters before either of them can really act on their emotions. Uh, the council leaves and Harrison questions his brother's suspecting treason, but Cork insists that he's always acted to benefit Harrison. The argument shattered something in their bonds. Later, Quint visits and and he tells Corrick that rumors of treason have spread throughout the palace. After confirming both of them are still on the same page, Corrick tells Quint about Tessa's plan. In response, the palace master says that he'll make sure both of them can sneak out of the palace. Around midnight, Tessa wakes to Quint hovering above her telling her to run to Corrick's room and um, once there, once there, the prince gives her a pack and climbs out of the window by a rope. They've got rounds to do. They chase into, they change into peasant clothes and sneak through a tunnel to leave the royal sector unnoticed. Tessa finally realizes how much they're risking. During their walk through the wilds, Tessa and Corrick talk about the past. Corrick tells Tessa about 
him and Harrison visiting the wilds as children. The first ex- execution he had to order and how his activity as an outlaw actually began. And that is with leaving coins at doorsteps. Then later seeing Tessa and her parents um, and what the night patrol did to Tessa's parents um, in the execution. So um, actually the first time that Wes and Tessa met was um, he was keeping her from running to the night patrol and getting herself killed after her parents were executed. There, then a pair of men pass close to where they are and Tessa and Corrick decide to follow them. They visit someone on the other side of the village and find out that they're helping with the raids. Once outside, the night patrol is about to shoot at a 13-year-old boy. Corrick um, interferes as Weston and he he shot since the patrol doesn't recognize him behind the mask at night time. Tessa, Corrick and a boy fight um, the patrolmen killing them all. Afterwards Lachlan appears and says that he'll clean up their mess. Um, he seems to recognize Corrick's voice um, and gets suspicious and especially when he sees Tessa's dagger which um, is the one that Corrick gave to her early in, earlier in uh, the carriage. Back at the workshop Tessa cleans and bandages Corrick's wounds then they kiss um, and almost go farther than that um, when the alarm sounds outside signaling that they've got someone that the patrol have again fought someone. The, the duo puts their masks back into place and upon opening the door they are greeted by Lachlan and his men holding them under shots. Lachlan tells Corrick he'll kill Tessa if Corrick doesn't admit who he is and surrenders, which Corrick ultimately does. They are moved roughly to a Encampment where the rebels are gathered. At first, the people are happy to see Wes and Tessa, but then Lachlan and Corey get, to, get into a fight and Tessa shouts the prince's name. Lachlan gets the crowd to join him in beating Corey up. Tessa um, then eventually convinces them to stop, but not before Corey is very badly injured. Corey comes to help, revealing that she's also working with rebels while cleaning Corey's wounds and stitching up uh, some of them. Tessa asks about the benefactors and rebels, noticing that Corey is awake and listening. When Lachlan grabs Tessa, Corey drags him back by his broken wrist. The prince is about to let Lachlan execute him uh, to protect Harrison when the royal army barges in and takes Tessa and Corrick into custody. After being left in the hold without water and food for a day, Corrick is desperate and he's all, he and Tessa have also been separated so they cannot communicate with each other. 
um, Harrison ultimately come to, comes to visit him and and um, and wants to hear the truth but Korik refuses to give him that Harrison also reminds Korik that he managed to sneak past both of their parents in the past and learned um, Korik what he knew from like escaping the palace, scaling the walls that's all stuff that Korik learned from Harrison one of Harrison's guards gift gives Tessa a water skin and soon after the king comes to her and takes her back to the palace there he lets a meal come and asks Tessa to tell him what's going on she says she'll need Quint to help her tell the entire story Corrick questions Rocco one of Harrison's guard that stays that stayed behind at the hold to protect the prince and asks what he's doing with him instead of the king. And he also asks some other questions, but Rocco doesn't really give many answers. Then Alexander, Alexander comes to visit and threatens he and most other councils are going to take the throne. He also ends up in a cell and Cory demands that Rocco goes to the palace to alert the king, which he does. However, Corix being browsed along since Rocco insists on this. Harrison questions Quint and Tessa, who um, goes on a rant and is then interrupted by Corix. He insists that they move against the councils when Harrison starts coughing and Tessa um, realizes that there's been tempered with the petals. So in the moonflower petals there are other similar petals that are not moonflower uh, thus making the cure and the medicine less effective. At the same moment rebels attack the castle and they all have to escape the palace unnoticed. The group gets to Korik's quarters and they block the door. One by one they climb out the window until Rocco and the prince stay behind. Um, Korik orders the guards to go and protect Harrison while leaving Korik behind, but Rocco ultimately disobeys him and as they are descending from the rope, someone shoots at them with a crossbow uh, from Korik's quarter. Soon after, the rope is cut and Korik and Rocco fall to the ground. Uh, the guards begin to fire back and Harrison and Tessa help Korik up. Uh, the six of them, so Tessa, Harrison, Corrick, Quint and two guards, they um, go to Tessa and Corrick's former workshop where um, the prince soon falls asleep. Harrison bandages Quint's wounds um, since Quint got hit by an arrow that was intended for Harris and they negotiate with Tessa asking her to play liaison between him and 
the rebels. She asks for the rebels to be pardoned and for Korik to be able to choose whether he wants to continue being King's justice or not. During their undercover walk through the wilds, to the wilds, Harrison asks Tessa about Korik's time as Weston. He's surprised to hear his brother's pseudonym since Weston and Sullivan were the names they would use when the brothers snuck into the wilds as children. Once they arrive at the sector gate, the plan that Tessa Harrison and Thorin, the other guard, had made changes once again. They go to pick up horses at a livery. Cork wakes up and insists that he, Quint and Rocco go to help the others. Tessa and Harriston both ride on a horse together um, and Thorin takes another. They arrive at the place where the rebels are um, and find out that those rebels are holding councils and, and other elites hostage. Tessa and Harriston try to, to negotiate with Lachlan but he doesn't believe them and he isn't willing to um, let the hostages go and continue to kill two more. After Korik has watched all of this happen, he and Rocco interrogate Alexander, who taunts Korik but eventually starts to talk. He and Lissamar Petta, one of the other consuls, they are the benefactors and they'll have to provide six weeks of medicine as retribution and in order to stop the revolution that's also used as leverage. Tessa is still trying to negotiate with Lachlan when Cork returns to announce the deal he has made with Alexander but he says eight weeks of pedals and not six weeks which Like Alexander's, yeah, but you promised six weeks. But, you know, it's eight weeks now. The rebels don't trust him, but they do trust Tessa. And she trusts Korik and Harrison. And that way they finally come to a temporary agreement. Seven days pass until Korik and Harrison talk again. The king has been trying to understand what Korik has had to do. Uh, during his time as King's Justice. He says he doesn't want to hide behind the King's Justice anymore and um, forgives Korik for lying to him um, all this time. Harrison then appoints Tessa as his personal advisor and later she asks Korik to, to try being nicer in order to show people that Harrison and Korik aren't as bad as many of the citizens think. And that is the end of the fight the night by British Cameron. Now on to the review. So for the review, um, this was my second time reading this book and I am really still pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. I had apparently forgotten some of the details and noticed new things. It's really, this book is a really great one for rereading since with some of the plot twists in the book, you really, when you reread it, it gives you a new perspective and that's really nice to have that there. The world 
of Candala is compelling and I cannot wait to begin the next two books in this series. Now uh, I've also already read the second one but I'm rereading since the third one, um, Destroy the Day, is the third book in the series and it came out um, about a month ago now and I'm just rereading the first two books before starting the third because I really want to be immersed in the story again in the way that I was with the first two books. Talking about plus, the first major plot twist um, was one I didn't I had seen coming the first time I read it, but I still liked it. It wasn't I wasn't annoyed because I had seen this plot twist coming. So it's it's done in a way that you have a suspicion but still, you know, it it's nice in a way. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. I, I cannot explain it. So I, I saw it coming but I didn't mind it. That that's basically what I'm starting to say. Yeah, um, and I also like the multiple perspective in the story since they each give a different view on the situation and you get to know the major players in both the political and the rebel and the rebellion thing through these two characters, Tessa and Korik, that are telling this story. And really, I know, I mean, I'm an amateur writer myself i've not not published anything or, or so but i just i'm working on some stories and let me tell you one of them is with a dual perspective like this with two different characters narrating and it is hard to write it's, it's not easy since you really have to make sure that your characters sound different and they have their own voice and in this book bridget Cameron has absolutely managed to do this so that's really, really nice. Okay, that's my sales pitch for the book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the really good books that I've read lately. So that's really nice. This was my review. I'm going to end my review. I promise you I'm not going to be talking on in my review. So end review now. So uh, thank you all for listening to this entire episode. It's, it's going to be a shorter one. I'm not sure why, but the the previous episodes on Identitas and this episode, they're relatively short. Like, my my episode used to be like an hour and 20 and now, now I have an hour, like I've just passed the one hour mark. So I don't know why, but my episodes are getting shorter for some, for some reason. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing me talk about this book uh, tune in next time to hear my opinion and my discussion of the second book in the series defense of the dawn also by bridget Cameron. and oh yeah you you can't see it here since this is a podcast but i really really like the covers of these books like they're beautiful covers and yeah, the, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, but this is these are books with very nice cover design. Um, again, off topic. I don't know why I keep sidetracking, but I do. Um, if you want to hear more of Just Another Booker's podcast, there are um, eight episodes out uh, before this one. So maybe give them a listen. 
look at which books I discuss in there. It's all it's always in the title, and you can just pick any of those episodes, see which book sounds interesting to, interesting to you, and uh, if you're listening from the future, you know there will be more episodes out. Just look which one appeal to you and maybe give it a listen yeah and um, I really really appreciate that you listen uh, really every time I see the number of plays in my analytics go up I'm really glad that all of you are just listening to me talking it's really really great to do this I, I didn't do it for the listener just I'm here just a girl talking about books, you know, alone in my chamber with a microphone. But it's nice that people listen. So thank you. Um, also, if you want to see the written or to like read the written version of my reviews, um, they are available on Goodreads. Um, under the name Just Another Bookish Podcast in four words with each beginning letter a capital. That's also my name on Facebook and on YouTube, so please go check it out. Um, and on YouTube, I also post um, the audiogram, the audiogram, yeah, the audio versions of the podcast as videos on YouTube. Currently, the first two episodes are available that way. So if you like listening on on YouTube, you can do it that way. Also, um, there are some videos on there, some short videos. And I also post on Instagram, which is my other... Like, I'm mostly active on Instagram. But you can... I, I check the other stuff regularly, so... You can really follow anywhere if you feel up to it. Um, but I'm definitely most active on Instagram. And apparently I'm talking too loud for my microphone. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so that's the housekeeping, I think. Yeah, my socials. I've, I've mentioned Instagram, Facebook, Goodreads, YouTube. Um, I, I really I wrote down, mentioned YouTube since the last episode. I forgot, so... I've got a YouTube channel for the podcast. It's just not a big podcast forward, just like the podcast title. Um, and on basically every other platform, that's the same way. Um, except for Instagram, that's at just not a biggest podcast, all in one word, lowercase letters. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that's it. Um, Again, thank you for listening. I've no idea how how much I've said that in the last two minutes, but really, really thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, And I hope you enjoyed hearing me talk about this book. Um, And if you liked it, yeah, just tune in next week for uh, the continuation of the series, Um, yeah, of the sequel to this book. Well, that's it for today. Hope I hope that every every single one of you is going to have the greatest day ever or the greatest week. I don't know. Like I'm hope I'm hoping you're all doing well and you're going to have a great day. Uh, yeah, I'm going to sign off so you won't be 
yeah, you'll hear from me next time. Uh, and until then, keep reading.